Hi, welcome everyone to the Screen Composers Guild of Ireland presents the music of normal people or normal people music, which I quite like. Uh, firstly, the, the Screen Composers Guild of Ireland is an industry organization which represents professional composers for screen who work delivering music to film, TV, video games, animation, any kind of media production and we advocate on behalf of screen composers and as a group uh, we aim to improve the, the, the skills and knowledge and share experience um, and make Ireland a destination for great music for screen. So I've invited some of our members on today because I was uh, impressed with I guess the size and breadth of the music department or the amount of people that delivered music into normal people. So we have the composer, Stephen Rennix, who's um, coming in from his studio in Dunleary. We have Kieran Byrne, uh, a mixer. We have Juliette Martin, who was music supervisor. Sarah Lynch, who worked with uh, Stephen Rennix. In, she's a composer as well, and also did arrangements and performances. And lastly, Kathleen Flynn, who's coming up from somewhere near, a farm near Newry, I think, um, who did the role of music editor. So I'm going to invite you all first to talk about your roles on the in the music department. Um, but firstly, wow, did any of you anticipate normal people was going to be such a phenomenal worldwide success? Talking to Maggie, my co-supervisor beforehand, she's like, I think this is this is really gonna gonna hit big. And I guess she has experience working on bigger productions and but you just never know, but it was really insane. The, the weeks afterwards were amazing and it's it's been fantastic yeah. how it's resonated. So you were music supervisor on it, so could you give us a short description of that role? And Yeah, so I worked with Maggie Phillips, who I mentioned, an amazing music supervisor based in the US and she's done a lot of Hulu productions. And yeah, I was involved basically from script set stage right through to the end of production. And the role is sort of twofold. One was on the creative side, collaborating with Maggie and suggesting tracks for specific scenes. And, you know, in that part, you're working directly with the editor and with the directors. And, and then on the other side is, which is, which was my responsibility solely was negotiating all the um, licenses. So clearing all the tracks and there was a huge amount of um, commercial music so I think it was between 70 or 80 tracks that I cleared and you, you know that's finding who owns the rights negotiating them and 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 sort of managing the budget in that respect and then I was liaising with Catherine the producer wonderful producer kind of overseeing the, the budget side so yeah that was, that was probably it yeah. and so Steve to you you were the composer the um I suppose the originator of the original music and you'd worked with Lenny before. Yeah. Like, how did you how did you find this experience compared to some of the feature films that you've done with Lenny? And well, let's just say I was very pleased to have a break afterwards. Uh, <laughs> it, it was I some when I went home after I think I literally gave I think Kieran came down to the studio, handed over the last of the cues and went home and my partner D told me that uh, Leo had just announced we'd gone into lockdown and I was just this sense of euphoria. <laughs> I was kind of like, what, what, you mean I can't do anymore? Uh, yeah. But no, I mean, to be, to be serious, the problem was initially 
uh, episodes one and two. I think episode one, I, I checked, I think it was about 13 different deliveries. So 13 different sets of cues for episode one, because we were looking, we were trying to establish uh, yeah, the tone, the tone and the feel. And so, so that, that stuff is really important. And in a way, if you get that, you spend a lot of the time, I'd say half the energy of the whole series was spent on episodes one and two. Uh, yeah. and, and so once you get that, then things start to flow quicker. But it's very difficult. You know, it's, 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 it's a process where all the time I'm generating the stuff. And then I know there's a kind of chain afterwards. So there's the, the pressure to produce it, to go to Lenny, to see if Lenny is liking what's going on. Uh, he might like something, but he might want something else to be worked on. So then I'm trying to work out whether I take this cue, which is kind of okay, do I pass this on to get more work done on it? So using up valuable energy in a way, or do I, while I'm working on something else? So, so it's a very pressurized um, system in a way, working on a TV thing where, you know, there's 12 episodes. It was an incredibly supportive environment to work in, the music department, because um, to be able to phone people, to be able to talk to Sarah, who is an incredibly talented composer in her own right, and to be able to trust that I can send something to her to orchestrate or to add something to, or to put some of her magic on, uh, and not worry about that, and not have to, in a way, quality check that before it comes back, uh, is such a privilege. And again, you know, I would know that Kathleen would be in the line there. If, if I'd missed anything, if I'd missed something, if there was a, a technical thing, if there was whatever, I would know there'd be all the, there would be a chain of support that that could get fixed. And then Kieran Byrne, who's a, you know, an incredibly experienced, and I'm going to really enjoy this, a veteran, <laughs> the veteran engineer at this stage. <laughs> oh, veteran, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> To have, to have his ears, uh, which regularly saved me because uh, the system I was working on was overloaded at one stage and there was just these glitches, these tiny little uh, digital things, which I thought I got rid of or whatever. And then Kieran would come in and he'd just do that slightly concerned, but very nice parental thing of going, oh, I think, oh, Mike, did you, did you maybe miss one? Whatever. And so it was great to have, uh, his years of experience and look it's 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 a fantastic um system in a way to have a music department like that it's not always the way because obviously these things depends on de depend on budget um yeah. anyway sorry i'm talking too much so. <laughs> no but it's funny actually it's, it's funny steve your point about things evolving across because i remember you know fresh chats about commercial music and we kind of anticipated maybe 12 tracks mm. um and well, last year I know and it just ended up kind of with what 75 so wow. yeah you just don't know you know things evolve and it's yeah. yeah you just have to kind of run with how that goes um and the other thing was to have Kathleen was amazing because there's a lot was a lot of music in each episode and she's like a second set of eyes going I think I hear a tiny bit of music under, you know, that bit. And and so when you're clearing, you've got to make sure absolutely every bit of music is is completely licensed. And it's really um, a great comfort to have somebody else kind of overseeing that as well or helping with that. Yeah. So, yeah, a luxury. Yeah. And I have to say, a part of my excitement when I first met Steve was when I was in the USA, I was a huge fan of Steve Stevens. 
sorry. <laughs> I just watched his uh, room before I came over from the US and I was just like, oh my God, I can't believe I get to work with you, you know? So I was just really excited. Well, really so, nice. Thanks. Uh, Thank great stuff. And, and Stephen, um, how did you get to the tone then? So you talked about that at the beginning, not knowing whether it would be orchestral or electronic. And like I, what I, what I found watching normal people, it's stunning. It's like a, a really beautiful piece of art and incredibly emotional, but it's like a character study of the space between people. It's better. It's, you know, how do you, yeah. how do you give a, a musical tone to a relationship in a way? I travel so so far but yet is so intimate for conversations yeah well, i look <clears throat> i don't think there's 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 nothing scientific about this it is often sitting here in the studio in silence watching the pictures uh and trying and you know i've said this before being really scared that you're gonna really mess this up that you you know there's nothing there or um and and, and i think you just start trying things um there was temp, you know, which is, you know, it's just the way it's done these days is that editors and directors work with temp music. Um, it's still, it's, 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 it's prescriptive in lots of ways because you know in a way, <clears throat> you know the way that the editor and the director are thinking by the music that they have on it already. So, <clears throat> so in a way, what you then have to try and do, I think, is to find something in the vein, in, in that vein, something similar, and be working on that and trying to give it your own take or your own feel. But at the same time, what you're trying to do is maybe come up with something that does the same work, but from a completely different, uh, using, a, using a different way. And, and, and the problem in, with that is, in a way, you're then slightly dividing your energy. Um, so, you, you know, you're kind of, and, and on something like this, where there's, Look, by, but by no means, one of, the, one of the wonderful things about working with uh, Lenny and, uh, and Nathan, the editor, is the use of music is incredibly good. And it's really, they don't, you know, there's never wall-to-wall -wall music. And there's a real um, pressure, I think, from um, TV and whatever to have music all the time. So to actually start, you know, we always start from a position where you, if you don't need music, you don't have music. Okay. Uh, but on this, there, there is a kind of commercial reality around having that tracks in, having all that. And we were aware of that. So we kind of felt we front load in a way, the first few episodes, there's not as many needle drop tracks in it because we had to establish the world with the sound. And, and I, I, you know, I think the big thing, uh, which or one of the things which I was thinking about all the time when I was trying to write the music was the breathing of these two young people and just that sense that when you feel that falling in love or when somebody or something excites you in a way, your heart beats faster and you breathe faster. And in a way it's all about your breath, you know, and that kind of classical notion of you are only the breath you have in a way. So it, in some ways there, through a lot of the tracks, there's a feeling of the rise and fall of breath. Juliet, you were then, so the, the music supervisor, uh, as you were talking about there brings in the tracks so one of the reasons I wanted to do this panel was because it is such a huge international um, showcase really for Ireland and 
all too often we have not had Irish music department or Irish composers involved all too often these shows go off to a you know maybe a, a partner funding territory so for me again as a viewer I was really happy that there was an Irish music supervisor on board because I know that you brought in some of the Irish tracks by Irish artists that wouldn't have probably been visible to a non-Irish um, resident music supervisor or somebody who's not familiar with the indie Irish scene which at the end of the day there's a huge indie Irish scene. Yeah I suppose the other things that I'd previous productions that I'd worked on were very much in that kind of indie Irish vein and I would yeah. sort of have dug quite lower budget productions I would dug quite deep into that world and I think it was also important just to have these these characters live in Ireland and whilst they listen to huge international artists you know like Frank Ocean there was also lots of Irish music I really wanted to use rather than use library I just wanted to use Irish music that I felt potentially young Irish people might listen to um, so, so there's a lot of the the kind of background party stuff is Irish, and then there's some really nice features featured kind of Irish music. Um, yeah. yeah, there's a there's a, a the closing of Seven where Connell's been beaten up and he goes to Marianne's house. That's um, an artist, the Shea, or they're a band, and they're they're not well known. And I kind of had that track in mind right from the beginning and it was just yeah it worked really well it was just it, it's really gratifying to be able to feature a smaller or lesser known Irish Irish act so yeah. I did feel like that was that placing a or ending ending episodes on a, on a big feature usage where it closes out over, yeah. over because it's quite a you know fashion thing as yeah. well yeah it was well used in this and then it didn't it didn't happen in all episodes but i was impressed that um the day and um i think you closed with annie mika Anna, Anna, yeah Anna mika yeah i mean that was really kind of there was a lot of discussion around that cue because it's the first sort of big needle drop it's the end of episode one and we kind of wanted to i suppose reflect on what had just happened they first got together and i remember um, there was a track in there that was was working quite well, but the lyrics were a little bit on the nose. And I remember Lenny saying, oh, I just want something that sounds really, really fresh and female vocal and Irish. And so Maggie and I both went off and and put together playlists and separately. And it's funny because we both came back with, with Anamika tracks, different tracks, but there was obviously something in in the quality of her music and in the tone of her voice that that was right for for that particular usage and it's been yeah. incredible it's funny because i just clocked i had a quick look before the series was broadcast and i think she had sort of like 15 20 000 streams and i just checked before we came on and it's it's two two and a two and a half million streams now this is on spotify and yeah. listening there is um, a Spotify playlist, the Normal People official soundtrack playlist, which is Pink, and it includes some of Steve's uh, score. There is another Spotify playlist, there we go, which is the Normal People original score from Stephen. So please go to Spotify and have a listen. Um, I think it's always it's always great to listen to the tracks out of the context as well, and it's a great way to find new music. Um, but well done. I, I mean, it, it just... To me, it was really 
really brilliant to have that level of, I think it was what, 11, 12 Irish artists tracks included on the soundtrack. More, I think. I think it could be maybe 20. I don't know, a lot. Yeah, a lot. They're Irish, but they also stand up to kind of the other tracks, the bigger tracks that are there. I think, you know, that's, that's important too. Cool, and, and I was going to talk to Sarah. So, um, did you feel that that there's and um, can you have and this is to Steve as well and and to all of you, can you ha express an Irishness through contemporary film score? Like, do you think through um, so unless like not doing an overtly traditional Irish score, can, is there an Irishness to the sound, or did you feel? that that's important in telling the story, which is based on all these like, you know, Street uh, Strand and Trinity College and um, the, the particularly Irish activities of forcing your girlfriend to watch a GAA match. <laughs> or, you know, hanging out in the middle of a town square talking about the devs or um, like, do you, did you feel that you were that 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 was important, or um, I don't know? Well, I think that it's not. I mean, I, obviously, I can't avoid my Irishness in my approach yeah. to writing, and that's not right to the idle idle music or anything. But I think, I mean, when I think about even one of the cues that I arranged for the first, you know, day in Trinity. And I'd gone to Trinity. I remember those feelings. I do remember this, you know, I do, did identify, and I think my Irishness is probably, you know, did add something to it, um, but it wouldn't have been the be all, it wouldn't have been the most important thing about it, I would say, because the story mm. really is more, is, I would say, bigger than the Irishness. But in saying that, definitely, um, I'm sure that, you know, it is so personal, and it, a lot of this, it was so personal, and when I was scoring it, it was, or arranging it, it was so personal to me. Um, but we, I'm sure, I'm sure that there is something, there is value in it. Um, but it's hard to say in a way whether, um, you know, I don't know, maybe Steve can pick me up. What do you think? Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I mean, I would say that, uh, look, the, the, the question of Irishness is that it's, it's where, you know, I, I'm an Irish citizen, all that stuff. I would see myself as a European in a way before that, because that, when I was growing up, I couldn't wait to get away from the oppression that, of the Ireland that I grew up in. And in a way, a lot of people in my generation went away to Europe and brought back what we now refer to as a kind of a cappuccino culture where we were able to get away from uh, how small and genuinely backward a place Ireland was not that long ago, 40 years ago, 30 years ago. Um, and now, look, the score is Irish because we're, it's, a, it's an Irish thing because we're all Irish. But in terms of it being an Irish, there's, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, that's, it's a modern Irish score because I'm uh, a relatively modern Irish composer working with, you know, it, to get into the idea of trying to define what that stuff is, is very problematic, I think. And I would have brought a lot of experience to, to write in those cues because I know Trinity, I would have known the beach in Sligo. I know these places. So all of that stuff bleeds into your experience. So, you know, I think if somebody had been Spanish or, or 
Nigerian or whatever and had lived here for 20, 30, 40 years, they would have had a valid uh, expression of that music too. And, and, and I think uh, what, I, what I do find interesting is that I have no doubt that we can uh, bring to bear an Irish sensibility, which I think is quite interesting, you know, having grown up in this society uh, to any project like this. But it's more look. This is a global project. This is a global. It's a it's a universal story set in a in a in an Irish setting. That's and that's what it is. And that's why it's been so 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 successful because it's about just two people and 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 uh, they're normal in the sense that they're everyday. And uh, what's extraordinary in a way is their their sensibilities and their interior and their thoughts and and they're unusual people in that sense. But. Um, I think the Irish thing is, is the setting, you know, and I think what it gives it, it the, 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 there is an air around it and a peace around it and the, the, how the landscape and the city um, can set off and help the story. Uh, so all of those things would bleed into the music in a way that I can't, you know, sub subconsciously. I'm going to just start in the questions here. So one of the first ones that this was interesting because I found the rhythm of it must have been hard to compose to Stephen. Uh, it's a, it's an unusually paced um, piece of drama, but someone's asking, hi, how is the BPM of the score found? Was the score composed after Picture Lock or were they edited together? How did you make Picture the score? Lock. Hit the mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. I have Kieran and I are laughing. I, I guess Kathleen and everybody's laughing at the notion yeah. of Picture Picture Lock is a misnomer. Uh, there, is no <laughs> there is no Picture Lock anymore. They, they, picture Lock was a thing that was it used to be when you were cutting stuff on on film on celluloid film and there would be a date at which that would all go up to the labs and stuff would be minted but now there's a there's picture lock there's soft lock <laughs> so, so soft locks means not quite lock this may be just ireland this may be, now this may be where irishness comes into it yeah. there might be i don't know if there's a pre-soft lock a semi-soft lock <laughs> <laughs> Hard, hard lock. I think that's actually driving. That might be something else completely. Um, I've, I've, I, I'm sorry. I, I've never experienced that situation. Only in that typically when it's like it's locked, it's locked, you know, and, and then it goes to the, um, uh, the directors and all the other people and then they make just, you know, maybe tiny little tweaks and then they have a super duper lock. But in this situation, it seemed like the lock was, even the day they were doing the final mix, it was still changing. Yeah. Slightly, yeah. right? So it, was it's, that, was, and was that the picture that was still changing or the? The picture. No. You, I think yeah, that's pretty much, yeah. How do you line up the, how do, how do you hit the marks then with the music when it's changed? Like how? Uh, it's not easy. I mean, I, like it, it's, look, one of, uh, you know, I was speaking to Len before I came on this, and he t he told me to say that he was a genius. <laughs> he genuinely did, but but, but he, he actually he actually is uh, in 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 many ways. If you think about what you know, I mean, Hetty was on the second block and did an amazing job. But the first to to do the first block the way he did to make, and Lenny has done it before, he's done it with, with Room, a script which a lot of directors would run a mile from because you're dealing mm. with, uh, you know, 
a very a story done on a very small scale in a way a very simple story there's no real dramatic arc a couple of kids meet the school they fall in love and they kind of come in and out of each other's lives over a couple of years you go oh yeah but who get who gets killed you get you know whatever and 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 to to do what he does is incredible part of working with that is that everything is liquid everything is open until the very last minute and that's very difficult in a way because you work on something you work really hard you do the mix i'll make kieran i'll send it off whatever and then there'll be a phone call saying listen we just made a slightly different thing we've cut 10 seconds out of that you have to do this if it's something where it's, which is a musical change then kathleen would be able to do that but if it's something that just needs that i got to go right back into it then i would mean we'd have to do that we'd have to export all the stems again all the individual instruments kieran's have to go for mix it again but that's why it's so good because that yeah. that, that rigor and openness goes across the camera department across costume across sound uh the acting which is extraordinary it just goes across and if you aren't working at at your very best you'll be found out that's that's really and that's and that's why you know it's getting all the attention it's getting is because it is really really good it's really good and and you know in the past there used to be this notion that only only the big studios in america or whatever could do stuff like that and actually it's about talent and it's about intelligence and it's about people being willing to work and to give you know everybody goes above and beyond what they're being paid for on a job like this people yeah. give an awful lot and i think that's because the material is so good because the project is so good and um uh, it's worth it you know it's worth it the next question's for you juliet and i know there is actually a relevant answer in this but it's regarding the the astronomical cost of licensing some commercial music and um, why are tracks so expensive or how does that you know there's no yeah. to arrange special deals no no special deals i mean when you have library music there's set rates and that's great because you know what you, what what things cost there's no set fee for anything every time you approach a publisher or a label you don't know what that fee is going to be um and it varies um I don't know that they're getting more expensive. The, the time that I've been doing the job, which is maybe 10 years, I haven't noticed them more expensive, but it is costly. Um, but what was interesting was that they, talking to Maggie, because she works in America and the sync environment there is much more expensive. So she was actually finding the costs that I was getting or the fees that I was being quoted surprisingly low. With the so, same because in the, well also because in the states they don't use the they don't use the blankets they use a lot of they're used to using a lot of commercial music and on these these bigger productions and they budget for it yeah so, so there would be a, a huge difference between bob dylan yeah. yeah like we we got some some massive quotes from some bigger artists and then you're just going, you know, okay, well, we can't use that, you know, but certainly compared to other productions, there's more leeway, you know, um, yeah. in terms of my budget. But, um, but, but there are some costs you just can't, you know, you just, there's some artists you just, you can't license, you know. Right, and then you yeah. just move on. And it's also how open they are to sinks. But I mean, I yeah. have contacts. I mean, what I have is contacts. Um, with smaller publishers so once you're going to kind of a major or bigger independent there's a minimum fee 
and you kind of know what you're going to roughly be quoted. Um, but there's some spots, there's things that are a little bit more in the background where I would talk to, I use a publisher in the UK a lot that specializes in emerging artists. And that's where I would go to sometimes to find things that are a little bit cheaper. Um, so, so they're not special deals, those, but I know I'm not looking, I'm looking at a quarter of the price of something that's signed to a major. <coughs> Thank you. Um, all right, the next question is about the tone again. Did you meet the actors or did you do the characters? Actually, Stephen, I want to know, did you read the book? Uh, yes, uh, both. I read the book uh, before I knew it was gonna be, uh, before I knew any, uh, Lenny had anything to do with it. And I did go, I went into Trinity when they were there doing the scene. They were shooting the scene where he pitches up uh, in Trinity and meets her again for the first time and uh, I didn't meet Daisy but I met Paul and uh, it's I it's a lovely thing when you're doing the music that you actually go and I've done it the only time I didn't get to do that on anything I've done with Lenny is uh, was Room because I, I was shot in Canada and I, I didn't get to to go uh, but it's it adds something you just get a flavor for um, I don't know. I don't know. It just helps. It just helps in some way that you get to meet the people. So when you are being given a budget, so the, the music department budget, um, I know maybe some some of it came through you, Stephen, and then some yeah. of it will come from the, the kind of post-production. How do you manage a, a budget in terms of what you spend on production and and then your like your fee or you know, I'm, um, it yeah. depends on the on the on the production. And again, I suppose it goes back to what Juliet was saying, and uh, we would all be aware of. In in a way, you do the same job on a short you're doing for for nothing. So the creative thing you're bringing to it, and uh, the production thing is always um, uh, is of a very always has to be of a very high high standard. You have to you know you can't kind of take shortcuts. But sometimes you have the money to do it and sometimes you don't. So sometimes you would spend some of the money that was supposedly for the composition, but you'd spend it on the production end of it. So yeah. in, this, in this case, it didn't start out with the music department that we ended up with. Uh, so the budget that I had for the composition would have been separate to the budget for the uh, music editor and the music supervisor and for the music mixer they would have been separate they would have been a production issue okay. so I wasn't I wasn't managing that budget now I have done films where I was doing that uh, when I was head of department on a film called Frank I was in charge of the music budget I was in charge of well some of it I was in charge of being the music the music uh, teaching the actors to play I was okay. basically the, yeah. the song and dance man. Uh, I was <laughs> so there was all that, and that was that all came under the music budget because we didn't know any other way of doing it. We yeah. were a film company, and we thought, how do we do this? We go, okay, let's find a way of doing it. So much of film is about finding a way to do it, finding a way to get it over the line, and then worrying about how we could have done it, how we might have done it better later. But the okay. problem is, you probably won't use those same things again because the next thing you do will be will have a different thing or a different feel or, um, yeah. Yeah, cool. And so, um, and what do you think, Kieran? Um, can you hear the difference 
a budget makes when you're listening to music on a TV show, say, like... Um, I mean, like not really. I mean, I, I, I think that myself and Steve have worked together on a couple of projects and, you know, what I've been delivered, say, from, from Steve or any compro other composer, you know, you do what with what you have. Okay. Um, and in this case, I mean, we didn't have you know lots and lots of time for each episode we didn't have you know there was some times where for instance the early episodes that we were going back over they were already in the in the final dub mix at that stage so they had to be delivered delivered for the next day so i might receive the final uh pre-lock soft lock hard lock whatever you want to call it version uh and this was version three or four at this stage that uh, you may have that the day before that needed to be delivered. So you didn't really have any time. I suppose the the, the difference in, in budget terms is that we got the chance to go back and do it again, or Steve certainly got the chance mm. to go back and revisit, and Lenny got that chance as well. So from that point of view, maybe maybe the budget was was, was part of it. But uh, you just do what, what you have, the time you have. If you've got a day, you do it in a day. It's an important thing, part of uh, the work that the Screen Composers Guild is involved in is the fact that composers and creators are can are, are paid part of the funding comes in royalty return. So every time normal people is broadcast anywhere in the world, there's an income return that will come in via IMRO to uh, Stephen and Sarah, and then maybe through uh, RAP as well, which is the performers for any performers and through um a publisher for element so it's a it's like having music originate in ireland brings back a return but i guess that's part of the funding and, and something that we're uh, engaged in is trying to maintain there there is a fight back from some of the the platforms to yeah. try get rid of royalties well i suppose the success of this as well I'll, sorry to cut across you the success of this as well means that you know people looking in at ireland can say okay well, that was done there. There was always this myth, and we've had it for years and years and years. I mean, as long as I'm in the music business, I'm sure Steve will, will back yep. me up here. You know, it's always, oh, what do they do in England or what do they do in America? And there's always been this looking across the pond either side. Yeah. Uh, always better. And that's from within, yeah. you know, from within the, com the composers, the musicians, the bands, the singers, everyone. Well, we're going to send it to the, the guy or the girl in England to mix, or we're going to send it to America, yeah, yeah, producer, yeah. whatever. And it just shows that it can be done. Yeah, and I find that really interesting working with Maggie. She's like a super amazing, lovely person, amazing um, music supervisor, working at a really high level in the US and LA. And we all assume, oh my God, it's going to be this different job. And, you know, and you're doing the exact same work, like the way I would have worked was the way yeah. she worked. And what you deliver is the same, really. And so, I, that really opened my eyes to the fact that actually we're, we're providing the same level of service. Yeah. yeah. We probably don't feel as hard done by now. It's, a, you know, <laughs> whereas before we would have doffed the cap a little bit and maybe said, Asher, ah, sure, yeah, they probably are better, you know, and I'll get back into my, my little green box. But nowadays it's, you know, we, we definitely are well able to, to work amongst anyone. I mean, I, I, I do a lot of work with, with different composers all over the world. And 
and none of them have this attitude that we have about ourselves, you know, or yeah. certainly did have. And I really hope actually normal people can help change that because yeah. it's a very local story based here with the the creative talent mainly all coming from here and likewise the technical, the craft talent as well, which is really important. Um, I'm conscious now we only have five minutes left. Really quick question to you, Juliet. Where do you find the music from and did the book form a source of any of that? Uh, I didn't we didn't end up using any tracks that were referenced in the book at one okay. point there was but we didn't I think it was a white stripes track but we I cleared it but we didn't use it um I would just do a combination of listening just using Spotify just listening to music and I would if I'm looking for a specific track for a scene I'll do an often do an open listen if I have plenty of time so I'm just listening listening looking at the, the scene and thinking about it that way and then um, I will also go to trusted sources like publishers and record labels um, and ones that are on particular price points. So I can kind of go, I'm not going to spend too much money on that spot. I can go to that person. Um, and, and I go, like, I'd, I'd actually look at, sometimes I look at festival lineups and see see who's on that on smaller stages and check them out. So so it's a combination of just generally listening and then some trusted sources. Yeah, sync agents, that kind of thing. That's the cool. last really, really, really quick question. Yeah. Is to how much of the composing is MIDI versus audio, or is it mostly sample library MIDI for the sake of easier editing? That's too technical for me to understand. Uh, no, it, it, I, I, I get it. Uh, it's mostly done in Pro Tools with with MIDI initially, and some some guitar stuff I'd put in and then manipulate, put it backwards and cut it up and do stuff like that. Yeah, any of the that would be actually interestingly enough that referenced Kira made earlier to the piano and Sarah. There's always big discussion around piano sounds. Lenny didn't like the piano sound that I had, which was a real piano. So we ended up going and trying to get different samples. And Sarah, I sent the MIDI off to Sarah and Sarah did some of her magic on it and sent back her stuff, which the director loved. So That's amazing, because I would think there's like one piano sound. But Intimate piano. Intimate piano. That's yeah. what it's called. That's what it's called. Yeah. You did a Fantastic. Actually, sorry, and Kathleen. Kathleen also did uh, got a call. I think one late one night, asking her to put her special piano sounds in as well. So everybody, there was a call out for Everyone nice piano was. sounds. Yeah, well, I think I do. I, the piano sounds do actually stand out. Thank you so so much um, to all the attendees. Thank you very much for listening in. I hope this helped deliver a better understanding of what goes behind creating music for film, but also TV productions like Normal People. Um, go to Spotify, listen to those two, uh, the, the playlists that are, are there. The pink Spotify soundtrack is the one to go for. There's a couple of them because um, people can make their own playlists. Also, I'm conscious that while we have these uh, five incredibly talented people here, there is also, as you said, the, the, the 18 or so um, Irish artists and bands whose music was licensed by Juliet, so in a way they could fill here. And then also um, people in the post sound department like Steve Hannigan and Nathan, the editor, and Lenny. And you all um, really, it, it, to me, it's just joyous to see such a uh, reaction to what we all probably know, which is that there is wonderful creative talent in Ireland. And with investment and faith, you can really produce something of enormous value that 
you know, was being watched in the Kardashians' house. It's kind of <laughs> weird. <laughs> Arrived. <laughs> Everyone in their leisure wear. Anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Kathleen Flynn. Thank you, Sarah Lynch. Thank you, Kieran Byrne. Thank you, Stephen Rennick. Thank you, Juliet Martin. Kieran, Sarah, Stephen, and Kathleen are all uh, members of the Screen Composers Guild. You can learn more about the Guild at screencomposersguild.ie. And any, any questions, please email. And we're always happy to talk about music department in Ireland. And Juliet is on silverstreammusic.ie. So the stream music buddy. All right, thanks a million. Bye. 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 B